0: going everybody this is the nitty-gritty my name is chad with me is leonard this is a show about wrestling and in the past we have done some random reviews uh maybe matches on their own we've reviewed an episode of an old territory uh and this week we're going to be reviewing not rebooking or anything like that uh we're going to be reviewing a indie show specifically one of the Eddie Gilbert, memorial brawls, and before we get to the show itself, Leonard, do you want to share any thoughts on Eddie Gilbert himself?
1: Oh, you know what? Eddie Gilbert was one of those wrestlers that back when I was, you know, a kid uh, and 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 reading like the after mags that I would read about him, but he wasn't really wrestling for any of the territories I, I was watching, and so Eddie Gilbert was one of those guys that. Was kind of a mystery to me. While at the same time, I had a notion that he was really good. And in later years, when I've been able to watch some of Eddie Gilbert's stuff, um, I did think that he was very good in the ring. And also, too, I know that he was a booker. You know, when you talk about the random shows that the random show that we watched was from uh, Continental Championship Wrestling when Eddie Gilbert was booking. Right, Uh, And it should be mentioned that his assistant booker was Paul Heyman. And Paul Heyman learned booking under Eddie Gilbert. So Eddie Gilbert died in in a car crash, if I remember correctly, and died young. And I think that's a shame because I think that's one of those great what-if question marks in wrestling. Because I think even though Eddie was very much a a veteran at the time of his death in the mid-'90s, i think he is someone that if he was still around today i would not be surprised if he had a backstage job with wwe or AEW. right i was going to say like what would his influence have looked like yeah or tna even um you know i could definitely see him maybe even having had a run at some point late like in the late 90s with wcw or wwe something of that nature uh, but I definitely think that his head for wrestling would definitely have kept him around in, in some capacity if he wanted to. And he would probably definitely have a, pod- have a podcast <laughs> yeah. uh, like everybody else if he was still around. Today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I agree. And you know what? I wanted to add one thing here, which is we don't have any sponsors for this show, but I'm going to give a cheap plug to uh, a glass maker that I enjoy. It's on Instagram, it's under Skeeter glassware, which uh, is, should be pretty self-explanatory on how to spell it. Uh, but he does a lot of wrestling themed glasses. I have my Dan Housen glass with me tonight. Um, I have a bunch of glasses. He does a lot of wrestling glasses, but he also does movie glasses. For instance, I have a death proof glass uh, from the Tarantino film. So if you like wrestling glassware, wrestling at all, I highly recommend checking his stuff out. He does sales a lot of times and his stuff is pretty modestly priced. So anyway, I would definitely have to do that, even though we have a cabinet full of glasses. But right. As as do I I have too many. But uh, anyway, this particular Eddie Gilbert Memorial Brawl, it is the second annual one. There was four of them in total. They ran from 96 to 99. And as I said, this was the second one. It took place on April 12th, 1997 in Cherry Hill, New Jersey at West High School. And, Leonard, I was looking at this venue on the video, and you, by the way, you can access this um, show if you wanted to have a, uh, an account with high spots. Their streaming service offers it. As Leonard mentioned to me, it is also on YouTube for free, so you can view it in any one of those places. But as I was looking at this venue, I was very much reminded, Leonard, of the event we were at fairly recently. <laughs> like It very much looked like that same venue, even though... It was in Ohio versus New Jersey.
1: Yeah. Well, a lot of those high schools were the same cookie cutter. You know, that's probably, they were probably both from the 70s. And oddly enough, there were, I believe, way more people at the show we were at than.
0: Yeah. Before. Yeah. No, I, I would agree with you. Uh, the show we were at was pretty packed. This one, you know, you could see some, some spaces here and there. Uh, maybe they didn't pack it as tight. Who knows? Um, but. This is a NWA, National Wrestling Alliance show, mm-hmm. and the commentator is a man by the name of Dave Prazak, which, let's just get this right off the bat. I was mixed on Mr. Prezak, Leonard. I don't know how you felt. There were times I thought that, you know, he was letting his wrestling uh, knowledge shine through. There were other times that I got the impression that he just was
1: like, whatever, I'm here. This yeah, doing- um, you know when he did the intro, he said he was going to be joined by color commentators throughout the night, but he was not. It was him by himself the whole right. time, not by anybody. He was doing a Joey Styles. Yes, and, uh, you know
0: there were t- <laughs> there were times that like he would comment somewhat sarcastically <laughs> on what was happening. In the ring and you know you either like that or you don't anyway i was i was mixed on him i
1: i would say i was mixed too there were times i thought he was funny there was times he wasn't there was times where i thought he did a great job of calling the action or or going over the the history like i did not know the history that dan Severn and dory funk jr had um and and he went over that which i thought was was great uh, but there were other times which uh, where I thought he was kind of of lapse where he I I don't have anything specific I don't think I wrote it down, but where he just you know didn't call the move right or, you know, was kind kind of just just as you said maybe just a little bit of of, of what the hell right um, it, it definitely sounded like it was recorded in post yeah um, he was recording it live while we're here I I will say um, all the live mic stuff you can't understand what anybody is saying
0: yeah yeah we'll uh we'll have to kind of assume what was said or a lot Mm -hmm. of times uh dave prazak kind of loosely cliff
1: notes it for us yeah what was said and then the video is okay but there's a couple times uh where it gets a little shaky yeah Uh, the few times when the crowd gets into it when dan Severn comes out they're stomping they're clapping and i think it's shaking the bleachers that the hard camera is sitting on. Yeah, yeah, and, absolutely. I noticed that as well. Yeah, and um, it is, and oddly enough, too, for even some of the, the indie shows that I've gone to, not only do they usually have a hard camera, which this is all from the one hard camera, they usually have a guy on the floor with a handheld, and I didn't see any any of that. So, right.
0: Uh, and,
1: like, obviously, this is an indie show. It wasn't
0: yeah. for, you know, production or to air on, you know, a cable network of any kind. So... I mean, you kind of have to accept some of the quality here and, you know, the fact that this is a not necessarily the type of star-studded affair you'd pay 30 to $50 for on pay-per-view. Um, and it's, you know, as the one Leonard and I were at, it's one of those events that is much better if you're there, in person, enjoying mm-hmm. it, being able to be close to the talent, all that kind of stuff, be at the convention, which um, obviously, based on some of the commentary they had. That day, um, so it's much better if you're there. But this was still, you know, I think a cool thing to to look at in
1: retrospect. Yeah, and one more thing before we get going, it was promoted by Dennis Corluzo, right. uh, who did, uh, I believe, all the all the uh, Gilbert Brawls and other shows in that part of the world. Uh, Jim Cornette on his podcast, which I have mentioned I listened to, has talked about Dennis Corluzo. Cornette's on this show. He's done. He did shows for Cor Luzo. Uh So uh, j- just to mention, he was the promoter here. And I don't necessarily think it's exploitive of, of Eddie Gilbert, um, which I think could easily have, have been done with this. Uh, I definitely think that there is, one, a heart for Gilbert and two, the idea of just we just wanted to kind of put on a show that maybe Eddie would have put on himself. Right. Yeah, Yeah.
0: no, absolutely. Um, So let's just go match by match here. I kind of did mine on somewhat of a five-star scale. Um, Um, I
1: did also give star ratings. All right. And all my notes are handwritten because I was watching on my laptop and it was just such a pain to cut back and forth between the video and the type. So I just worried.
0: Well, our first match is the beach bullies of Ray Odyssey and the Inferno Kid against the downward spiral of Adrian Hall and uh, Twiggy Ramirez. There was a third member. I believe Twiggy Ramirez was on the floor, but there were three members of the downward spiral.
1: Yeah.
0: Now, where, was this for the United States tag team titles?
1: There were titles involved, and I didn't make a note of, of I, that. I think
0: initially I thought it was just the tag titles, and then mm-hmm. later on in the broadcast – he referred to them as either the United States Tag Titles or the North American Tag Titles. I honestly forget which, but...
1: Okay, so according to to uh, Wikipedia, because I did have that called up, it was the NWA United States Tag Team Titles. Right. And, and it was Adrian Hall and Twiggy Ramirez representing the Downward Spiral versus Ray Odyssey and the Inferno Kid of the Beach Bullies.
0: Right, and the Beach Bullies would win uh, this match. And... You know, this was, to me, you know, just kind of a blah tag match. I I gave it two stars. Um, You know, it it was what it was. I was kind of fascinated. This is 97, after all, and the downward spiral, uh, the name is from Nine Inch Nails, obviously, and the costuming and makeup is Marilyn Manson-inspired, which that's interesting to look back on now. Um, And uh, so I was fascinated by the fact that their characters and makeup were very 90s, metal related uh but the match itself was what it was and uh afterwards you would have the the brothers east la i believe they're called come out yeah. and uh attack the beach bullies and uh with a name like the brothers east la you could probably imagine how they're dressed and you know
1: what their gimmick is their whole, yeah exactly thank you yeah i was not as generous as you i gave it a star and a half um, I thought it was bad overall and very awkward. It definitely felt like guys copying moves that they saw on TV. There wasn't really <laughs> story, it wasn't really a story here of any sort. Right. Um, it was just, oh, hey, this is how they do it on the TV. Uh, and right. kind of following that template. Uh, I definitely think that Ray Odyssey was the best of the four. Right. Uh, he yeah, I would agree. The best worker to me and and in his style. Um the I believe it was uh, Tw- Twiggy wound up kissing a guy at the very start of it. Um, or no, it was, a- it was what, the other guy, Adrian. Yeah, Adrian Hall, because that's an Adrian Street gimmick, is to kiss your opponent right, to send them off. So he stole that from Adrian Street. I noticed that right off the bat. Um, oh, one thing, too, which we did not talk about in the beginning, but I made a note here. The it's, I don't know if they mic'd the ring, but the ring is extremely loud and rickety. Yes, the ladder for sure. Yeah, you can really hear it rattling. Uh, just, somebody needed to oh, tighten some of those uh bolts or whatever. Just walking across the, the canvas, it, w- it was super rickety. Uh, yeah, I, as, as I said, you know, it it, it seemed weird. As, um, yeah, again, I'm reading my handwritten notes. Uh, I wrote here: Ray Odyssey gets a drop kick, but there seems to be some sort of odd miscommunication because then they repeat the spot with the Inferno Kid, who wasn't the legal man doing the same thing Odyssey did, and then getting the pinfall. So the uh, the finish came off awkward uh, because of that. Um, so so yeah, that was. Um, is what it is. I think we were of the same mind. I just wasn't quite as generous uh, as you with it. Right.
0: Well, our next match is Steve Carino against Mr. Puerto Rico, and Mr. Puerto Rico would win this match pretty pretty easily. Steve Carino, obviously, is a name that a lot of people probably will recognize. He would go on to have a very fruitful Indie career, and uh, you know, he had stints in TNA and has held many championships and was a guest trainer in the WWE Performance Center. Um, he has since retired, but uh, I'll gotta be honest, when I saw Steve Carino, I was like, Is that a young Sean Waltman? Like, I think exactly what I, I put that in my notes. I thought he looked just like Waltman, yeah. Uh, it was, but it's weird. I was like, like Steve Carino, I was like, Who is that? But well, anyway, but uh, yeah, so this, uh, this match, I, I rated. I gave a
1: star to so oddly enough, I went two stars on this one. I liked no. it better than the first match. Uh, you know, to me, this is kind of felt like a, a, a classic big versus little match. Right. Um, you know, to me, it was kind of odd to see Carino here when you knew what he would become later on. I thought he bumped. Well, he sold well, Mr. Puerto Rico. I thought got good heat throughout the match. Uh, there were a couple spots that, that I liked. Um, Should be mentioned, is Puerto Rico had a valet destiny on the outside of of the ring, and Carino kisses her at one point. So it's two matches in a row with a kiss spot. Yeah. Uh, But different different types. Uh, Yeah, you know, I thought the pacing here was decent, and I thought it got a lot better as it went uh, from the beginning. So, yeah, I was, you know, it's interesting. I don't think in in the past when we've done these – I've done the star ratings. I think just you had. So it'd be interesting to see how our star ratings match up because so far they are not right. Yeah. They're a little, they're a little different. Yeah. I, I, you know, this was a very passable big versus little match. And I think I give a lot of that to Carino who even at this early stage of his career, I think showed where he was going.
0: Yeah. Um, and he would go on eventually to be the NWA world heavyweight champion at one point. (laughs) Um, and I should mention the, uh, interludes between each match involve a uh you know nwa kind of placard with the battle royal that we'll see later on the same clip and music from the battle royal which by the end of the show you'll end up humming the uh, the theme yes but uh our next match is the black scorpion versus Donnie d deviously and uh it is not rick flair uh unfortunately uh but The Black Scorpion would win this match. And the Black Scorpion, in this case, we would find out is Rick Ratchet, I believe, is his name. And again, I gave this one one star. Uh, I I thought that the work here was very awkward and forgettable. So.
1: Yeah, I also gave it a star. I think for what I was trying to do, it was too long. This was all about the storyline, which again, this is where Prazek shined. By going over what this was, that apparently Ricky Ratchet was Deviously's uh, manager, and, or or maybe it was the other way around. But anyway, they turn on each other, and Ratchet lost the match where he uh, had to leave the NWA. So this right. is him, uh, coming back. If the Black Scorpion can beat Deviously, then Ratchet can come back, and it is uh, of course we find out that it is Ratchet. He ends up getting stripped of his Black Scorpion suit and he has Ratchet's clothes on underneath and he's wearing Ratchet's boots with R, with a double R on them right. uh, and, and all and, and all this. Um praise it throughout this is where he gets sarcastic because he says it could be Ric Flair. He said he was told the Scorpion was over in Japan. Maybe it's Muda, maybe it's Anoki. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just being very tongue in cheek with, with with that. Um I, I thought that uh some of the work here was 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 decent. Uh some of it wasn't uh, but, yeah, um, overall, yeah, awkward, way too long. Uh, ratchet or Black Square Bandit War was being managed by Tommy Corluzo, which I'm not sure if that's supposed to be, uh, you know, the, uh, Dennis's son or whatever. They didn't go over that, but definitely in relation to the Corluzo family there. Um, so, yeah, uh, again, that is something that I think they could accomplish what they needed to in five minutes. Yeah, I agree. Um, There's no times on on uh, Facebook. There isn't times in the matches. I didn't time the matches. Uh, but definitely, oh, Leonard, you should have gotten your stopwatch out. Come on, I sh- I-, I should I should have. I actually I thought about that probably around this match, like three matches in, and I just wasn't going to go back.
0: <laughs> yeah, you weren't going to go back and watch it again. Yeah, no. Um, our next match is Tommy Gilbert versus Ian Rotten, and uh, I believe this is. Eddie's father.
1: Eddie's father, yes.
0: And so Ian Rotten was, uh, you know, obviously somebody that, you know, made a name for himself in ECW. And I mean, I, my main memory of Ian Rotten is the Taipei death match that he had with Axel Rotten, where like those two crazy MFers dipped their hands in glass <laughs> and went at it. So, this here is clearly just a clash of styles. Now, I gave this two and a half stars because they, they tried, I think, hard here. Yes. You know, So I was tried to be a little bit more generous, but it was clearly a clash of styles. Ian Rotten tried to kind of assimilate to the Tommy Gilbert style, and I don't know how old Tommy Gilbert was here. He was obviously an older gentleman. He
1: was 57.
0: Okay. So, you know, and he, and he I would say, to his credit, he does a good job, but he looks 57. So... Um, but, you know, so the match was fine for what it was. I thought the submission victory for Tommy Gilbert was actually kind of neat with the the whole knee uh, submission hold that, that it it's on there at the end. Um, but obviously, Ian Rotten was not known for his technical amateur wrestling skills in the ring, uh, but he tried his
1: best here. So two and a half. You know what? I agree with you. I also gave this two and a half stars. Uh, it should also be mentioned, I didn't catch the guy's name, but Tommy Gilbert has a manager uh, who looks like a doofus 12-year-old playing cowboy. <laughs> Dumbest looking SOB I've ever seen. Um, I thought this was going to be a hardcore match. And when they start off and they're actually grappling, I was very impressed with how Ron was at least able to hold his own against Tiny. Right.
0: Well, when Tommy you hear Gil- Ian Rotten's name, you immediately think, "Oh, this is going
1: to be hardcore." Hardcore match, and Tommy is definitely walking Ian Rotten through the match. And you know, Tommy Gilbert was a guy who wrestled for decades. I was not familiar with him because, uh, again, this was back. We're talking 60s, 70s. But Tommy definitely is a guy that knows what he's doing in the ring. You know, even at the age of 57, he can put a match together. He knows how to put a match together. Um, so I was quite surprised by the wrestling here. Um, and and thought the match was pretty good overall. Uh, I've got to give Ian Rotten credit for trying to work an old school match and yeah, doing it pretty well. Um, he hits a butterfly suplex at one point that I thought was was really good. Um, you know, I get them wanting to give Tommy Gilbert some time. I still think this match felt a little bit long. Uh, I think it could have been sho- shorter. Uh, the leg lock that he wins with, I thought, was kind of weird. But um, it, it but on the other hand, it's something that you just don't see. You know, that type right, of yeah. I don't think it was a botch or anything. I just think that was what he was going for. And there was work on the knee throughout. So, yeah, I mean, kudos for <coughs> Ian, Ian wanting to work a Tommy Gilbert match instead of making Tommy Gilbert work an Ian Rotten match. I think that was the way to go. So. Right. I, I that's my favorite not my favorite match of the show but uh my favorite match so far. Right,
0: yeah. Um the next match would be King Kong Bundy versus Don Montoya and I gave this a dud rating uh you know King this is 97 uh very much well past King Kong Bundy's prime but one of the things I remember hearing from various podcasts uh king kong bundy quoted like he gets a lot of business at conventions because he still looks like the king kong bundy that you remember from the wrestlemania 2 vhs cover So when he comes out here you know it's king kong bundy you know it's the same outfit it's the same look and you know he wins this very quickly and the best part about this match is the five count pin so
1: (laughs) i thought it was funny he came out to the married with children theme song
0: yeah thank you for mentioning that i forgot to take that note down and, yeah he, well uh, he
1: appeared on two episodes of the series
0: oh years
1: God. before this i looked it up i looked it up i was like why is he coming out to this he appeared on two episodes several years before before this i think it was you know maybe in the late 80s so that made me laugh uh yeah we're gonna have him come out to the married children theme um also i question was he working face yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, they, like they refer to
0: The other guy is Dirty Don Montoya. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. This was pretty short. The fact that it was short and it had a very nostalgic finish with the five count, I went half a star. I didn't quite go dud. I think it accomplished what it wanted to do. Put Bundy out there, let him get the nostalgic pop, let him beat Bundy-ish, and get out of there quickly. So, Bundy-ish, it should be, uh, that should be a way to describe other people. Bundy. Yeah, yeah, he was very Bundy-ish. So I think for what they wanted to do, I went half a star. I didn't quite go dead. I almost went dead, but I was like, you know what? They did what they wanted. I'll be a little lenient. All right.
0: Our next match is a three-way. It is Lance Diamond versus Reckless Youth versus the Cheetah Master. Um, And for me, this was probably the best match on the card. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the rules here, this wasn't strictly a triple threat match this was more akin to um there was a match in wcw i forget what show that involved flair and i believe sting and maybe Muda or somebody else where it was you know kind of weird rules
1: there were three people but it like, was luger it, it, it was it was sting and flair and luger yeah and a triple threat but you could tag in and out right
0: and that's and, not what they do here but like, yeah, not what they do here they have to you have to pin both people. Like it's not just one pin victory. Yeah, well, I'll be
1: enough. It starts out as a one on one between Reckless Youth and Lance Diamond. And they right. don't explain why. They might have on the live mic. I don't know. But they wrestle for like I know, I think it's sort only of like two minutes. It's like, yeah, it's two minutes one on one. And then Cheetah Kid can get involved. And Cheetah, and Cheetah or Cheetah Master. I wrote down I kept calling him, I think Cheetah Kid is a dude. I think there is a guy named Cheetah Kid.
0: Can we talk about how this was the worst name on the card? The Cheetah Master? The Cheetah Master? Come on. Like, che- what Cheetah does that Master. even mean? Like, what, like... <laughs>
1: pra- Prazik mentioned that he was like the new, the Jimmy Snuka of the 90s. That was what Cheetah Master was going for. He felt like great value...
0: uh didn't call himself the Fiji Islands Master.
1: Yes, the Fiji Islands <laughs> Master. He felt like a, a great value uh, jungle jungle uh, jungle kid right who's so playing aw yeah jungle jungle boy jungle boy jungle boy jungle kid jungle man i'm 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 getting myself all all mixed up um i do want to mention that lance diamond's uh manager royce prophet looks like paul Heyman playing the penguin <laughs> that's true reckless youth has a valet miss patricia on, on the outside and uh, reckless uh, Youth is a name that we've that we've heard before, Yeah, you
0: know, he had a pretty long Mm -hmm. career and I forget which podcast it was, maybe it was Bruce Pritchard's, um, where there was the idea of flirting with him being in one of the major companies. Um, but it just didn't, it didn't really happen for him, but, uh, but yeah, he, he was clearly a good talent and this match really picked up as it went along. Yeah, Uh, the longer it went, the more they all three guys really seemed to click. Um, so I like the work by all three, even though it was really hard to get used to somebody being called the cheetah master. Like, you have a guy named Reckless Youth and Lance Diamond, both you know, fairly, and then the cheetah master, which I just, yeah, I don't know why I was hung up on that, Leonard, but I was. Uh, so I gave it three and a half stars.
1: I also gave it, I gave it three and a quarter stars. Um, and and I don't think we mentioned this was for the NWA North American Heavyweight Championship.
0: Yes. Uh,
1: I think the weird start. Kind of, of blew me a little bit off on that. Um, oh, mentioning the belt, Miss Patricia, Reckless use manager, comes out wearing the belt. And I thought that was neat. I've never seen like the valet or the manager wearing the belt. And it actually kind of came off like I liked it. Like I liked the idea of, of she was wearing the belt because she was the manager. She was the mouthpiece. She was the, the cocky part of, of the duo there. Uh, so I thought that actually worked. Yeah, I mean, I thought there were some really good uh, triple threat spots here. It was a very solid three-way, nothing great, but good pacing and mixing of the guys. Um, they praise that points out several times that Lance Diamond breaks up covers when that doesn't make sense because you're it's elimination. Yeah. So why not let the one guy pin the other guy and then get out? right he was playing the rules very well because there was times where he took a break where he's just like well i'm going to sit over here and get a breather and let them fight right and let them go at it so he played those roles very well i don't know if we mentioned but lance diamond wins and gets the title here uh reckless use gets a nice uh frog splash i thought the ending was a little anti-climatic and a little sloppy and it was confusing in spots with this match about who was doing what Uh, But yeah, generally very solid. I mean, we're just a a quarter star off on our rating. And I think for me, it was because I didn't understand why they were doing the two minutes at the start between Diamond and Reckless Youth. Like, I didn't understand why that was just a thing. Like, could have – they pinned each other in that two minutes? And why two minutes? Why not five minutes, you know? This was
0: kind of before all the other companies, like, really – I, right at the start of doing rounded. three ways.
1: You know, yeah. I think WCW was doing the three ways with the Luchas, the luchas yeah. um, at this point, but not a lot of others. ECW, I think, was doing three ways at this point as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, our next match is Marty Jannetty versus Harley Lewis. And Marty Jannetty, I don't ever, I don't think I believe I've seen him with a goatee.
1: It's Mirror um, Universe Marty Jannetty. What did you call it? It's Mirror Universe from Star Trek. That's, there you go. Fox, well, like that. It's, 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 it's a goatee, Mirror Universe, Mario genetic
0: Yeah, yeah, he's, um, yeah, he, he looks odd with a goatee, but uh, yeah, I gave this one a dud. It doesn't last
1: long. You mm-hmm. can barely register that this match was even here. Marty was being paid by the minute. Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I also gave this a dud. Uh, there was a good suplex on the floor. That was about the only spot that I, I could mention. Um, it started hot, and then I was surprised. Because Marty could still go at this point. He was only a couple of years out of WWE. You
0: mean to say he hadn't drifted into batshit crazy territory?
1: Just not, not quite yet. And and his ankles weren't totally botched yet. And this was pre-Heroes of Wrestling which we rebooked and talked about. So I was surprised that this didn't go longer. I mean, if you've got Mario Gennetti, get something out of him. Right. Okay, so our next match is
0: not the main event, but it is for the NWA World Heavyweight title.
1: It should have been the main event, I'll tell you that.
0: I I agree. And uh, our reigning champion is Dan the Beast Severn against Dory Funk Jr. And what a weird, you know couple of names to put on a card but you know what these two guys actually their styles or at least the style that dory funk jr was working with mm-hmm. in this age meshed pretty well together i mean you know you just got done seeing a more fast-paced triple threat and now you're seeing a slower paced you know old school fashioned match dan Severn, obviously a, uh, a legendary mixed martial arts fighter, and his stint in pro wrestling was not was not great because he really wasn't good on the mic, and you know his personality was such that it was kind of hard to make that shine through, at least in his WWF run. Yeah, uh, but he he seems to be more at home here now. He would be the NWA World Heavyweight Champion twice, and just a little trivia. He would be the World Heavyweight Champion up until TNA would start, and he would be stripped of the title because he wasn't going to be in TNA. So, mm-hmm. um, But anyway, he is—he was a part of the main event of the first Eddie Gilbert Memorial Brawl, and mm-hmm. he's here defending his title against Dory Funk Jr. And I, I thought, even though this is a slower-paced match, I thought that they both worked pretty well. Uh, the crowd seemed to be okay with this style. They seem to be watching it pretty good. Oh. Uh, the the biggest knock on this match is the fact that it's a double count out, which I thought was really somewhat stupid. Uh, you know, I, I find it hard to believe that Dory Funk Jr. wouldn't, you know, take the loss here or something. But uh, I gave it three stars. I, I thought both guys did pretty well and worked to their strengths considering
1: the age gap. Yeah, uh, uh, I did look up Dan Severn's age, but Dory Funk Jr. was 56 here um, when he comes out. He as his his jacket is advertising his his website, so I thought that was great. That Dory Funk is online in 1997 yeah. with, with with a website. I you know what I think Dory Funk should have won at least for publicity reasons only. You know, imagine I'd have been okay with that too. Yeah, that, and, and imagine back then especially when the NWA World Heavyweight title had completely been forgotten that Dory Funk winds up winning winning it right. Uh, so decades later after he had originally held it the, uh, the previous time. Um, Dan Severn, I thought, showed some great power here. Uh, there's a couple spots where he just kind of deadlifts Dory Funk. There's one where he lifts him out of an arm bar and just sets him on the top rope. Yeah, which I thought was a really powerful spot for for him. Um, there's a leg lock into the ropes as nicely work. Uh, there's a lot of mat based grappling uh, with Severin showing his power throughout. I didn't think Dory Funk looked bad at all given his age, right. uh, the style of the mat. It was a very clean bout. Uh, I like that Funk gets kind of edgier as they go. Yeah, like right. throws Severin to the floor. So there's a nice build-up of the tempers and the tension.
0: Yeah, I was just about to say, there's a very subtle build of, like, they're getting more heated as they go along.
1: Yeah, it's never brawly, but but you get into a few spots. Like, there's one where Funk slams Severin's head into the table on the outside. Um, they slam into—Severin the Severance slams Funk into the table later on. Um, I love how Severin reverses the butterfly suplex into a bridge. Uh, that was a really nice spot there. Uh, and again, yeah, the double countout is what soured it for me. Um, I went higher than you. I gave it three and three-quarters stars. If this had to finish, I probably would have forced.
0: All right. Well, our next match is a 20-man battle royal. And I gave this a dud. This was ridiculous. And the person who wins it is the, uh, you know, I guess, C-grade Ultimate Warrior
1: ripoff called The Icon. I'm going to blow your mind. So, The so the Icon wins this. And also in this match, you may have noticed, was a guy that they referred to as Big Slam Vader. Yes. Around this time, in Zanesville, Ohio, in the basement of Seacrest Auditorium, an indie wrestling show came through, and the main event was Big Slam Vader versus The Iron Warrior, who was Icon.
0: Oh wow, that's interesting.
1: Wow. So I saw these dudes live, that's and funny. they were promoting it as if this was Big Van Vader and the Ultimate Warrior, of course. But oh, they have to change their names. They can't right. change those names. But as soon as you get there and you go, that's that's not them. That's that that's not them. Yeah, I
0: mean, th- this was. Not a good battle royal. You don't know who half these guys are. Uh, you know Dave Prezak tries, air quote, to explain who they are. Um, you know the ending of this is botched because I believe there's two guys left with the icon, and one of them is Don Montoya, who has trouble getting over the rope. And you
1: know it's just this was horrible to me. Yeah. Montoya was the guy that bunny squashed, and he may be the worst worker that we that we see throughout this show. Yeah, I I, I gave it a, a dud as well. Against one of those things, that I think kind of accomplished what it wanted to do, which is get a bunch of people on the card or give some other people, you know, a second shot and to put the icon over why they wanted to put him over. I don't know, but this was interesting to me because I went, "Oh, I sold those guys." So,
0: right? Yeah, I I did noticed big slam vader and i did remember that you had mentioned him and i was trying to remember in what context but uh it was we may have talked about that
1: indie show before yeah yeah
0: um our next match is doug gilbert versus nature boy buddy landell in a street fight Mm -hmm. and you know
1: and he's he's got got jim and he's he's got jim Cornette with him
0: yes thank you
1: and is it francine
0: no, it's um The other one. Don Marie.
1: Don Marie, the one who isn't Francine. Yes.
0: So Leonard, why don't you tell us what you thought of this one?
1: Uh, sure. You know, um, I like the Marilyn Monroe tie that Jim Cornette wears.
0: Uh, yes, I forgot to write that down. Oh uh, cool I, I wasn't I didn't have my notes with me when I was watching this particular match and that is an amazing tie that i need to have yes
1: and then as soon as don marie comes out the camera does a zoom in on her ass
0: yes yes it does i was wow. like that and then it was like quickly the guy realized what he was doing and like moved back away yeah and I was like i was like hey you know this is an indie show like you don't need to impress us with your camera work you know you just you know if you want to stay there on on her body go ahead
1: yeah go go, go ahead why why not give us give us a little bit of a thrill i thought that was kind of funny uh, again, Buddy Landell is on the mic, and he. Dem- here's the thing that that threw me about this match. So Buddy Landell demands a street fight. So it wasn't booked as a street fight, right. but both guys are already in street clothes. Right. <laughs> so so they were going to have a regular match wearing street clothes until Buddy Landell made the the challenge. Uh, I thought this was actually a nice change of pace from what we have seen on the cart up to this point. Um, th- this should have been like maybe Deb Gilbert and Eden Rotten, you know, um, being, being that it's a street fight. I would maybe put Landell with Tommy Gilbert in a regular match. So I may have switched dance partners there. Um, there's uh, a broken table, uh, which is a repetitive spot because that's what Severin and Funk did. So I'm like, I believe this is probably cornetism that I picked up that, that I know you don't like, but like you, sh- not everybody needs to break a table, right? You know, one match you break a table, that's cool. Don't keep doing it. This is an okay brawl, but it's not very brutal. You know, it's not a type of a street fight brawl to me. A lot of shots are very fake, very weak. Both guys bleed. Um, there's a leg drop through a second table. A third table gets broken. This felt very long, monotonous to me. Um, the, the finish is poor. It's a roll-up on a collision with Jim Cornette. Yeah. Uh, but for a street fight, that's just a terrible finish. I wanted to like this more than I did, but I felt it was very sloppy with a bad finish. And and at two stars, I think I'm being generous.
0: Yeah, I went two stars as well. And uh, I agree with everything you said. Um, I, you know, This is one of those street fights where they do a lot of moving around to insinuate that hardcore things are happening, and really, <laughs> and really, they're just kind of moving around in the crowd. I, I love it when the the street fights are, you know, signified as street fights because they wrestle into the crowd. Um, and, and I don't know if we had mentioned uh, the Doug Gilbert. Yeah, you mentioned the finish. Doug Gilbert won this, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, they, they, they blade really early, and it, it didn't really make sense to me at the time. Well, um, and yeah, no, I I agree. I I thought that this was overly long and there wasn't really a ton of memorable spots in it, but uh, as we will find out, Buddy Landell's night is not over. No. Our next match is Flash Funk versus Ace Darling. And, uh, you know, Flash Funk has the entire Flash Funk garb on and, you know, he does the whole, Entrance that you would expect and yeah.
1: uh, Of course he's better known as Two Cold Scorpio and I was kind of surprised He was doing the Flash Funk gimmick here But I, I, I'm i Guessing I didn't go back and reveal the time Periods review the time periods, But I'm guessing this coincided with him being Flash Funk in the WWF
0: Yeah yeah that's That's probably a good bet um, So I, I gave this match Two and a half stars um, You know Flash Funk is one of Those guys that was with major companies never really stayed around a a, a long enough time to really make a mark. But, you know, even when he was on the Indie circuit, uh, which it felt like he was for a long time, he could still go, like he could still do his moves. And he was one of those early high flyers that, uh, you know, did a lot of, as Leonard likes to say, flippy do stuff.
1: Flippy do stuff.
0: Yeah. And, um, but yeah, so I thought the work here was fine overall. And uh, you would have Buddy Landell coming out to interfere for reasons that are unknown, um, which would eventually have the ending
1: be in Flash Funk's favor. Yeah, I actually hated this match. I gave it half a star. I really oh, wow. hated it. I really hated it. Um, it's they're, They The grappling to start, I felt, was very awkward off balance. These guys were just not on the same page at all. I figured it would be more high flying and faster paced than it was. Um, There's a leg lock work by Funk in the middle that I thought really bogged down the match. The tumbleweed that he hits should have been the finisher. Uh, But then Buddy Landell, as you mentioned, comes back out and distracts uh, Funk after a moonsault. Mm -hmm. Uh, which I thought was really stupid. And then Landell hits Ace Darling with a chair right in front of the referee, which should have been a DQ, and it wasn't. And Funk gets the pin while using the ropes for leverage with the referee sees and lets happen. Yeah. So, I mean, this match actively insulted my intelligence by how— You know
0: what? You convinced me. I'll knock my rating down a full star to a star and a half.
1: Okay, okay. I get I get I gave it I gave it a half star. I just don't think these guys work together and I thought the ending was really bad.
0: All right. Well our main event is Gold Dust versus Derek Domino.
1: And I'd be, I'm very curious to see how we rated this one.
0: Well, yeah, so Gold Dust, Dustin Rhodes is one of those enigmas in wrestling in that it feels like he gets better with age. You know, you can't say that about everybody. Um, There are people that stay good consistently, but he is is really still very good in the ring. Uh, you know, he doesn't work AEW all the time because he has his own wrestling school now. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, when he does wrestle in AEW, there are always matches that I look forward to seeing. Um, But uh, this particular match, I don't think he worked very well with Mr. Domino. Um, this was very awkward to me. I mean, he comes out with the Gold Dust gimmick, uh, you know the you know the makeup and the music, and unfortunately, Marlene is not there. I don't know where their relationship was at this point. Yeah, um, but uh, she was not there, and uh, Mr. Prezak let us know that very early on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was, yeah. Well, he said, "Yeah, I'm guessing Marlene is not in the building."
0: Yeah, um, and uh, so I gave this match a star. I didn't like it. I thought that there were some, well, not thought, there were some messed up spots that I yeah. know. Um, and, uh, yeah, so this was kind of a weird main event to use when you have, you know, Dory Funk Jr. and Dan Severn in the middle of the card. Um, I realize Goldust is probably, at that time, the biggest star. But uh, still, I think you, you want to you send people home with your, your title match. But, uh, yeah, so I, I didn't like this one.
1: Yeah, they probably didn't use the title match as the main event because it, it was a non-finish. Um, right. So I don't know. This is one thing that maybe I, w- I, w- I would rework or take a look at what I would have done. Yeah, Goldust was definitely bored here. He did not it, want to be
0: there. It, 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 you, I feel like you could tell on his way out that he didn't
1: yeah. want to be there. Yeah, yeah. I, I went star in a quarter, and I think that quarter might have been a little liberal. Um, You know, this is a very <laughs> lackluster main event uh i and i agree with you it goes on last because gold dust at this moment was the biggest name that they had right. um, to, to, to use and um you know i'm pretty sure that dustin had worked with eddie gilbert so that would be you know a reason to use him here um one thing i noticed when i got to this point was it seems like in every match everybody goes to the outside at some point but then don't do anything they go outside right. come back in like almost immediately um this, this match was was very monotonous to me and very repetitive. They repeat uh, table and chair spots from the street fight, and this is not a street fight. Um, the ref gets shoved at one point. That's not a DQ. Um, you mentioned botches. Uh, the one I noticed was Goldust goes for the kneeling punch thing he does and whiffs. Yeah, he and does. He yeah. It. Then he just kind of realigns and nails it. Um, they go back into the crowd, which should have been a countout. Um, they use a chair in the ring, which should have been a DQ. Um, there's The win is Goldust getting a DDT on the chair, and uh, Derek Domino does bleed in this. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I went star and a quarter. It was just – I don't know why this wasn't a, a street fight or a hardcore match or what have you, uh, given things. But I think what dragged us down was the fact that Goldust mailed it in completely and totally. This is probably one of the worst performances I've ever seen out of uh, dustin rhodes
0: yeah no i i would agree um so overall you know this was very much an indie show as yeah. i said at the top this was one of those shows that i'm sure was very entertaining if you were there to watch it on youtube like there wasn't a whole lot to remember here i think the thing that i've walked away being the most surprised by is the fact that dory funk jr looked like he was 80 and still worked well in the right yeah. um you know i think that was what surprised me the most i was like dan Severn, dory funk jr that's not really a dream match you really want to see but it was it was fine for what it was um so so yeah uh it's worth mentioning i was glancing here um there was a third and fourth eddie gilbert memorial brawl mm-hmm. and just some notes leonard i don't know if you looked at any of these in the third annual yeah. uh, brawl it moved to philly and the first match involved a guy whose name was overweight lover which is an amazing name <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: it's an amazing name and uh, dan Severn would be the champion here too he would defend uh, against franz schumann for the it was the nwa world heavyweight title versus the cwa world middleweight championship uh, you would also see sid vicious against king kong monday at that one and so that one was very much star studded but you could tell why the fourth one was the end because NWA doesn't seem to be associated with it. No. Uh, there's really nobody of note
1: other than King Kong Bundy. and George, George Steele is there and defeats a guy named Jack Hammer.
0: Yeah, the public enemy is in the main event.
1: Yeah, Tommy Gilbert and Cronus go up against the public enemy.
0: Biggie Biggs, which I don't know what Biggie Biggs looks like, but if that's not a Notorious B.I.G. ripoff, then he missed the boat, whoever this yeah. guy is.
1: So. I'm, pl- I'm going to try and pull up a picture of Biggie Biggs. It'll be okay. interesting to see what happens when I Google that. Try, try okay. to find that. You know, looking over this show, I almost want to rebook it because, you know, I would move Severin and Funk to the main event, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I think I would probably make Steve Carino versus Marty Jannetty a match and give that time. You could definitely but- move things around. With yeah. just
0: the talent that you have and make the show a little bit better. Like, right. I'm curious to hear, like, you know, maybe I'll try to track down Dave Prazak. Maybe we could interview him here. Um, you know, I'd be curious yeah. to know why Marty Jannetty's match was so short. Like, right, right. Or
1: something, I would... or, you know. <laughs> yeah, something came up. I don't know. I would probably, as I mentioned earlier, I would do Tommy Gilbert versus Buddy Landau and Ian Rotten. Uh, versus Doug Gilbert and make that the street fight. Yeah. I'd probably take Cheetah Master out of that triple threat and just make that Reckless Youth versus Lance Nyman. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I would have done that. <laughs> and then I don't know. I think a lot of the other guys, you could, you know, keep the Battle Royal. That's fine. You want to get a lot of guys on the card. Everything else, I don't know. I think I might have made a few things shorter. Yeah. You know, the Bundy squash is fine because you want to get the names on there. And anything I don't think we talked about was there is a segment where it's uh, Harley race and he's presenting some sort of plaque to the Gilbert family, but because the, yes. the audio is so garbled, I have no idea what was happening.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. We don't know who was in the ring other than Harley race. Um, mm. But yeah, no, that you're right. That did happen. I'm glad you mentioned it. So yeah, this was fun, uh, fun to watch. And uh, you know, who knows, we'll probably find another random indie show down the road uh, to review uh, but it, it was cool to see this and the fact that we have the Eddie Gilbert connection with our uh, Continental Championship. Wrestling. Yeah, yeah. And
1: I know we had mentioned the Eddie Gilbert Memorial Show at some point, and I remember where, how that came up. So, yeah. Uh, and I think we wound up watching this one because this is the one that's available. As you mentioned, it's available in high spots.
0: And... Exactly. I mean, there might be random matches from the other ones uh, yeah. out there in the ether, but uh, you know, the full shows of those other ones are not available um, uh, for whatever reason. So, for Leonard, my name is Chad, and please check out our other videos, our stupid questions, our random match reviews, and we are also available on Apple Podcasts and or Spotify. Uh, Hit the like button on our YouTube video and subscribe to our content. We appreciate all the help, and we will see you next time, and Alexa will see you out.